In this week's podcast, I have Laura in Waterland with me here, who is an Instagram influencer as well as a website creator, all about ocean conservation and sustainability. We cover many different topics, including living plastic-free, how to make sure your travel is eco-friendly, what greenwashing really is and if it's good or bad, what you can do to help the ocean in the single most way, spoiler alert, it's not eating seafood, because then we talk about the life cycle of ghost nets and what actually happens when a net ends up in the ocean and then gets filled by marine life, goes down to the bottom and then starts all over again. It's really fascinating stuff. I didn't know about this. Towards the end of the podcast, she also gives some amazing tips and tricks on how to reuse some waste in your house. So how to make your own vinegar, how to clean your house chemical free, and probably one of the best sentences I've ever heard, which is, waste is not waste until we waste it. I'm sure you will find this episode extremely useful and helpful. I know I did. She's an inspiration to me and yeah, so thankful to have her on. If you are listening to this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a positive review on iTunes or whichever podcast player app you are listening to this on, as well as subscribe to the feed. Every little helps. This is a new little podcast. And of course, you can also support the cause by getting yourself a Plastic is the Killer t-shirt or supporting the mission on Patreon. As always, all the show notes and everything are available on oceanpancake.com. And yeah, let's get into it. Every day, there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean, whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution. If the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So, welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Laura, and welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast. I am very excited to have you here. Uh, for many of you guys, you may actually know her from Instagram, from Laura in Waterland. And she does plenty of amazing work all about protecting our oceans, going plastic-free, teaching people how to have eco-friendly lifestyles, plastic-free tips, um, beach cleanups, and just about anything to do with that. She also shares some incredible photos on her scuba diving adventures to show people the beauty underwater. So thank you so much for being here with me today. No, oh, thank you for having me. Um, so let's just get started. Kind of, why don't you tell everyone how you got involved in ocean conservation and what made you fall in love with the ocean in the first place? So I fell in love with the ocean from like a very, very young age um, because my parents were only allowing me to watch very educational shows on TV. So I grew up with like Captain Planet, Stop the Smoggies, Ocean Girl, um, all these kind of things where um, it was mainly or a lot about stopping pollution and uh, protecting the ocean. But back then I didn't really know what it 
like meant practically mm -hmm. um it was just like an idea out there and i like loved dolphins and wanted to swim with dolphins which is actually quite um yeah a contra contradictory to wanting to save the ocean because dolphinariums or aquariums are like very bad places for them um but i was also doing like door-to-door -door, uh with petitions to like free dolphins at the same time so yeah i didn't understand quite uh, what loving the ocean really meant. Uh, but as I grew up, um, I started doing scuba diving actually as well. That's when like the understanding really, really changed. Um, I did a discover scuba dive in Australia when I was traveling there and I really, really loved it. I mean, it just felt like I belonged there and I should have always been doing this. And it was so calming, so freeing to be underwater and just listening to your breath and seeing all these beautiful reefs and corals and animals. And um, that's what made me want to um, really protect the ocean. And like when I really fell in love and got this understanding as well. Um, plus I kept diving and I kept meeting people um, that had been diving for longer and they had all this information and knowledge that they were sharing and they were passionate as well. And this passion kind of got—I got infected with yeah. it, right? Yeah. I, I always say the the best way to kind of fall in love with the ocean is to get down underwater and to experience it firsthand. Where did you do your discover scuba dive? Uh, it was in Cairns, um, so it was a Great Barrier Reef. Um, it was an interesting experience because you know you have to watch. It was with Patty. Um, so you have to watch this Patty video where we tell you a few things and um, I remember specifically in the video that it said don't touch anything right yeah. um, and then we got down uh, on the on the bottom on the seafloor which was sand so we the we kneeled in the sand which okay that's fine um, but then the instructor picked up a sea cucumber yeah they did and, the same thing for me on my like open water course in cans <laughs> yeah, and he started passing it around we were all like sitting in this circle all the dsd um people and yeah he passed it around and i was i remember being like well i i have to take it because i have to pass it to the next person but i don't want to touch it because the video said not to touch it <laughs> So, and it actually um, felt, it's quite gross anyway. Like it's yeah. all slimy. So I just like took it in my hands and passed it straight away to the next person. <laughs> I remember thinking there's something wrong here, you know, and over time they encouraged us to like touch other things. And I was like, no, I'm good. Thank you. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm a big, big proponent but, against touching things personally, but uh, there's a lot of instructors who. Yeah. <laughs> I'm completely against touching, handling, moving um, things, especially for photos as well. Like a lot of people think it's okay to move an animal so that you get a better shot, but no, yeah. because you're guests and um, yeah, you're not you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, I agree with you on that for sure. Yeah, um, it's funny. I um, I don't know if you've seen that video of mine where I talk about Ocean Ramsey touching the great white shark. Mm. Um, I, I yeah. still get like at least one message a day of just hate that um, that I'm jealous and that um, the only thing you know I'm trying to do is like get more recognition by using her name. But I think it's a really important kind of discussion to have whether we should yeah. be touching things underwater or not. It's like you were saying with the dolphinariums and stuff, you wanted to swim with dolphins, but it's actually not that good. 
Like my yeah, you can actually sent me a photo of me when I was like four and I'm there like petting a dolphin. I'm like, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're four, you're not making really your own conscious decisions. Like you're not, yeah. it, it was not your choice to, you didn't know that behind the scenes, like ocean, uh, dolphins are captured in the yeah. ocean or in captivity, but that's just as bad and that they die really quickly and that touching them is really bad. Touching many things underwater is really bad because of the oil we have on our skins. Yeah, exactly. So, so one of the biggest yeah. reasons, of course, not to touch things is if we touch them, then we can actually transfer any bacteria or infections from our own bodies, as well as on creatures like the manta ray, they have a soft protective film. And if you touch it, you get rid of that film, which makes them much more vulnerable to parasites, things like that. Yeah. So to yeah, exactly. you guys listening, that's just why we <laughs> encourage not to touch stuff. Yes. Plus something's yeah, hurt. Have you ever been stung by like fire coral or anything? Um, I have not been stung by fire coral, but by hydroids. Because the problem with hydroids is that they move in the current or in yeah. the surge. Um, yeah. So I have been stung by that. Um, especially when you're like trying to um, show something to um, a guest because I was um, a dive guide. So like you point out something and then you, your finger gets close to the reef and you're trying not to touch anything, but you're like pointing and especially if it's small and then this hydroid like comes back and just yeah. stings you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or sometimes it just kind of floats in the water, but it's fine. It's like uh, maybe a little bit itchy for five minutes and it's like a mosquito bite really. Yeah yeah thing more so like it doesn't that. yeah it doesn't hurt or anything like that um but yeah you can get hurt by lionfish um you can get hurt by like you have the blue ring octopus as well that you you cannot see them because they're really camouflaged and if they bite you you're pretty much dead so i've yeah. heard some scary stories about them so apparently what they do is they like fully paralyze you and yeah um, but one of the craziest things, and I like telling everyone I possibly can this because it's, it's a very weird fact, is you remain fully conscious while you're paralyzed. So everyone around you thinks you're gone, but you're there. So one of the biggest things in first aid um, is to make sure to keep giving reassurance to, to the person. Like, we're here, we're listening to you. Like, don't worry, we'll take care of you and actually talking to them so they don't panic on top of being paralyzed and everything. Um, the good thing about the blue ring octopus, though, they have a really small like mouth area, so they yeah. can't really bite us unless it's like in between our fingers or ear lobes. So like, don't put yeah. your ears next to octopus guys, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and don't touch anything, right? Yeah, That's just to avoid all of this. Just don't touch anything, and then you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, have you seen that photo on Instagram of someone holding the blue ringed octopus? I haven't. I didn't know about this. Yeah, it went like viral and everyone's like, wow, so cool. I'm like, guys, put it down. Yeah. <laughs> why would you do uh, that? It's a, see, that's why you really shouldn't touch because like, it's, especially if you don't know what you're touching, you, it's, it could be really going really bad for you. Like so many things that can harm us back you know and we're harming them already but they some mm. of them can they they're yeah engineered to defend themselves against predators underwater and yeah. we're just another predator if we try to touch them exactly 
Um, so yeah, after your Discover Scuba Dive, what, what was your journey after that? Now, now you're a dive guide. So how did you get to that point? Um, I just, I was traveling at the time. So I was kind of backpacking through Southeast Asia and I guess I just, every location I started, I, I, I wanted to keep discovering, discovering, sorry, the underwater world. And, um, and I kept also, I kept going through my education as well. So yeah. like open water, advanced rescue. Eventually I uh, did my dive master training as well. Um, because I decided that, yeah, I wanted to do more than just dive for myself. I wanted to also take people down and show them how beautiful um, it was and have some say about, well, the, the dive guide can tell people, yeah, it's not okay to touch or um, yes. be careful with your hands and your buoyancy, etc. Um, and then I became an instructor as well so that I could even get people from the start, right? With yeah. telling them, okay, like it's from the start of the education is when you, you can really make a, the best change. Like, yeah. So yeah. And I ended up in Komodo. Wow. Uh, that's where I did like the training, the dive master training. And I just started working there and I never really left Indonesia <laughs> after that, uh, because I just, it's a beautiful, beautiful underwater scape in Komodo. Um, there is so much to see. It's so diverse in like the topography of the dive sites, but also in the biodiversity of the corals and the marine life. Um, so yeah, that just became my home. And uh, well, kind of, I still, <laughs> you know, I'm still from Europe. Yeah. I kind of like have a part of my heart in Indonesia. I came to Australia and I just haven't left. <laughs> I have a part of my heart here too. It's the ocean. That's the thing. It's uh, once you, once you really fall in love with the ocean, you can't leave wherever it is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And how did that kind of lead to, to your like Instagram and your, your website and all the work you do now in terms of conservation and education? Wow. So like with anything in life, it was kind of gradual. It didn't straight away, like my Instagram wasn't straight away about um, conservation. I used to just post um, photos of like landscapes of where I was working when I was in Raja Ampat, for example. That's kind of where I started the Instagram. Uh, and it was just about showing my travels, really. Yeah. Um, but slowly, I, yeah, I, could, I, I started finding accounts that were... Um, just talking about this and posting pictures of travels or um, like perfect Instagrammable Bali locations and stuff like that. It just didn't feel like me, you know, I was kind of like doing what everybody else was doing, but eventually it came to the point where I was like, well, that's not really what I want to do. Uh, so I aligned myself um, with my values um, if that makes sense, like yes. it's the same in like, but you know, I didn't, I didn't always live like plastic free and all of this. Um, it came slowly from like learning about plastic pollution and the environment and, um, that, yeah, I cared about the ocean, but what was I actually doing to protect it? You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the same for Instagram. I just decided one day, okay, now I'm going to try to move forward more towards um yeah beach cleanups and um how to be a better like consumer and have less 
uh, a less of an environmental impact. Yeah. yeah. So what are the, yeah. like, the biggest things you kind of focus on for anyone who hasn't seen um, your posts? Mm, it's pretty varied, actually, but I like to think of, like, my page as one of uh, someone who's, like, an ocean advocate and also um, encouraging people to have a sustainable and conscious lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I post a lot about the ocean, of course, but like, most of my pictures will usually have like water in in them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's beach cleanups, uh, plastic-free tips, um, just sustainability tips in general, um, and then information as well, because it's knowledge and awareness is what's going to bring change. Like at the end of the day, I know that I'm not going to convince or force anyone to to change and that's just my choices that's what i decided to do in my life um so i'm just showing what i do um giving information about yeah well um maybe this option is better than that option or like for laundry because there's lots every time we do laundry there's lots of microplastics going into the ocean if we have synthetic clothes clothing in there um, so like giving tips like that, giving alternatives and um, actually bringing awareness to the issue because a lot of people don't know about this. Yeah, um, I saw it recently. You, you did a post actually about soap nuts. Do you remember that? Yes, yeah, 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 exactly. Guess what I just got? <laughs> oh my God, yes. I, I was, um, so I, I moved to a new city just recently and I'm finally living in a house where I can like set things up a little. And I went yeah. to a health food store and I saw organic soap berries and they're for laundry. So I just bought them. Guys, I'm so excited to try them for the first time. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to trying this and that's thank you to your influence. So just so no, you know, no, you're welcome. You got, you got yeah. another person here listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope, I hope they work out for you and that you like using them. And if not, like there's a couple of other options as well where you can make your own laundry powder with like bicarb and um soap and the soap you should use be like marseille soap casti soap or blue soap and then you kind of like mix it together and you have a powder or you can make it into liquid if you prefer to wash gold so yeah i i have like a blog post about that actually as well but fantastic um, i would i would love to check that out i'll also include that blog post in like the show notes of this podcast so for anyone else who wants to do like low waste laundry, you can check it out over there. Um, So you do a lot of these little tips and tricks, but do you have anything which you think is really like the biggest problem facing our oceans? Like if you could narrow it down. Mm, It's hard to narrow it down because there's so many things that influence the ocean. Yeah. and there is, there is one way that is like very efficient um, if you really want to make a difference in the ocean, but a lot of people don't want to do that. It's what to stop it? eating seafood. Right? Stop eating seafood. Yeah. Yeah. Because most like there's, um, uh, it's just a little bit under 700,000 tons of um, ghost nets and fishing equipment abandoned in the ocean per year. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a lot of fishing gear just um wrapping itself around the reefs you know um or just drifting uh, in the ocean and you have all these like deadly nets because that's what they're for they're there to catch um you know marine life like 
creatures. Yeah, so they catch everything. You you have pictures of turtles entangled in them, like seals, whales even, depending on the size of the net. And these nets, they drift in the ocean, very synthetic, which means they're made of plastic. So they will last for like hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And so they catch something. Um, then because they've been catching something, they become heavy, right? So they sink to the bottom of the ocean. Um, when we're at the bottom, bottom, <laughs> bottom <laughs> ocean, um, you have like scavengers that eat these dead bodies, like whatever it is, you know? Uh-huh. So, uh, and then the, the net can become buoyant again, you know? And then it can oh, come so back up to back up. This. Yeah, so it can come back up. And most of the time, that's what experts say, that it does come back up. And that then it just kind of starts the killing cycle all over again. And oh, so you wow. have like every year all these like almost 700,000 tons of fishing gear. And every year you add more, but all these other ones from the previous years are still in there. And it's really horrible when you think about it. And um, so, yeah, one thing that we can really, really do to help is actually to stop eating seafood mm-hmm. or at least to eat less, yeah. right? If someone is not ready to give it up, like eating uh, a lot less is actually already going to make a difference. Um, because the demand has like a lot of powers. Consumers have so much power, more than they can imagine. And um, like maybe someone who's listening to this might think, oh, um, but well, I use fish from like fish farms. Mm-hmm. This is actually pretty bad as well because there's runoffs. Like fish farms are usually in the ocean, like on the coast and there's runoffs. Um, well, from the coast, depending on the, where the farm is. So like the water is polluted from things from agriculture or like the fashion industry I don't know where it's located but fashion industry also has a bad influence on like coastal um, chemicals like running into the ocean yeah like the jeans Um, there's literally a river which is bright blue because of the denim dye I believe yeah exactly Bangladesh I'm not sure yeah yeah I mean I'm pretty sure there's more areas and there was pictures of blue dogs going viral because of that and stuff like yeah Uh, and it ocean dead zones but like if we go back to like the fish farming like they're also fed what what are they fed and they're kept in small enclosures if they're in their own feces that can't actually be um you know it doesn't move like in if you were in like a proper like ocean because most of the time this is going to be sheltered in a bay right these farms and not going to have the same currents and the same um wash off that you would have normally in the ocean so fish farming is also not a great solution so yeah that would be like the biggest thing you can do is um to stop eating fish or to eat less yeah so not eat fish (laughs) and to just realize that whether it's wild caught or grown in a fish farms those downsides so wild caught of course we got the ghost nets which are causing problems fish farms we have the associated pollution and also this is something i tell people because i don't eat fish um i haven't eaten fish for many years now but do you really want to be like eating a fish which was farmed where it's literally living and swimming and eating its own poop and then they get so many infections because they're so close together like imagine how we would live you know if we're tightly packed so then they're pumped with antibiotics and all sorts of stuff and they're just living breathing this mixture of poop and chemicals and yeah that's what contributes to the ocean dead zones as well so yeah 
that's that's yeah. a great tip to kind of give um especially because if you're listening to this podcast chances are you know uh you have choices and options of what food to eat um there is over 1 billion people who are currently dependent on fish as their number one source of protein and i think you would have seen this in like local um places like i when i lived in comoros or cambodia i'm sure in indonesia the locals genuinely depend on absolutely yeah their native kind of food while you know us tourists or travelers or like more western culture um we have the choices of what we can yeah. eat so yeah yeah i completely agree that it's not that everyone can do this like yeah. especially in indonesia it's like a, an island nation and there is so many poor communities and they really do depend on fishing and but then they're not the ones that are causing the the problem exactly. because like they're they're fishermen themselves most of the time or the neighbor is a fisherman or whatever and so they'll be buying um normally they'll be buying fish that has been caught with like a hand line yeah. right i don't yeah. know um so yeah they're not like the problem is from like commercial mostly also commercial fishing or the fishing techniques um which is why like if you're still going to eat fish then you should research um sustainable fishing practices and brands and really really pay attention to what fish you're eating as well so yeah i mean i can think of a lot of other tips but <laughs> that was like the biggest that's the biggest one have you heard of no seafood september no oh that's great so that's like a great yeah so one of my friends also on instagram uh his his name is like voodoo chilled anyway he's starting this movement this september so you should definitely jump on board as well um you yeah. guys do it's a challenge no seafood september so all of september to avoid seafood basically to raise awareness about the ghost nets and the pollution and everything so i think it's yeah. a great cause and yeah it's coming up i just realized it's almost september so yeah by the time, time this podcast is out it's probably now <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so yeah definitely we'll be doing some posts about that um, yeah i think i'm going to jump on that ship fantastic um i um i've also seen a few of your like stories especially where you talk about eco-friendly travel and like eco resorts and places you've stayed um yeah now i know a lot of people are travelers so what are your tips of how to actually be able to tell if something is a real eco resort rather than just greenwashed with that stamp you know yeah that's that's actually really hard to find out before you're actually at the location sometimes mm-hmm. um because so many people are jumping on this um yeah on on board with like sustainability because it's also a great marketing tool right because yeah. everybody wants to be sustainable now <laughs> so whether a place is actually like really really committed or doing greenwashing um at least you're doing something because the greenwashing it means also that they're like oh yeah we're no longer using like plastic bottles in the rooms or i mean that's that's not enough right you should be doing more but everybody has to start somewhere um it was kind of like how starbucks starting started saying oh we're no longer going to use straws but then um they were still using the cups right so it was kind of like yeah yeah and it, that's that's just as bad right it's all still single use plastic so it's the same thing but eventually if you start uh doing something sustainable um you're you're normally going to keep going so 
greenwashing is not a good thing but even if the hotel is you find out too late that that was just like a, a marketing strategy and like they're actually not doing that much well it's still it's still better than you know someone who's not doing anything at all and yeah. that you're where you're still going to find all these little tiny plastic soaps in the bathroom and stuff like that but you can just also turn down if and not use if you don't find any eco-friendly accommodation um but yeah most of the time um i just kind of like google like eco-friendly or resorts or hotels um and then you find like blogs or you can also look up for um like on the facebook pages on the instagrams and then you kind of see more as well if you're like repeating the same argument over and over again or if you're like oh we're doing this and we're also doing that um um, for example, if somewhere is doing permaculture, that was one place where I went recently. Like, if they're doing permaculture, like, that's amazing. That's already, like, they're beyond the level of, like, so many other accommodations already. So um, I think there's different levels, and it's okay that not all hotels or resorts are at, like, the permaculture level, because not everybody wants to stay on a permaculture place. Um, but, yeah, I think it's takes a bit of research to to find these places but it's so worth it at the end of the day because you kind of put your money where your mouth is and you hold businesses accountable for doing the same and you show the market that um but yeah like that's what people want nowadays so more hotels are going to start doing it and at the end of the day, they don't all have to be perfect. They seem like us, right? We don't all have to be like 100% plastic free, super sustainable. We just have to do our best and it all adds up. So yeah, yeah. same for hotels, I think. Definitely be mindful. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, I know I worked at an eco resort and in, in many ways we, you know, tried our best. So we had solar panels for all the electricity, right? Wow use any plastic straws we didn't um we didn't use plastic bottles we had filtered water unless a customer explicitly like ordered plastic bottle because mm -hmm. you know some people are weird about that um yeah uh we had multi-use napkins you know we did eco tours of the ocean um we didn't provide any like shampoo or conditioner and any of that so we told everyone it's byo so it's you know, and, and even there, there are so many more things we could have done, but just at the start, especially in isolated locations, like I think every little helps, as you were saying. And um, yeah. same thing for like day-to-day -day life. Um, I know both Laura and I try and be plastic-free, but I'm sure there are things that we can't avoid that are plastic, like airline tickets. Like, I don't know about you, but I always say, no, I just have the online, like the, the one on my phone. And then you go and you have to print your luggage tag and then they'll still print you a boarding pass. And you're like, that just happened to me like recently. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So it just, it happens. Um, what, what have you found to be like the biggest struggle in terms of your like personal eco-friendly life or plastic free mission? Mm, the biggest struggle, to be honest, like, I don't find many, many struggles. I, I think it's quite, once you change your mindset, mm -hmm. I actually find it quite easy. I know some people are saying that it hasn't been for them. I think it kind of depends um, or like where you come from and how you've been living before. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I used to be like a, a like fashion addict, like shopaholic. <laughs> like really, when I was living in, in Europe and I was still in university, I was buying so much. And I didn't care where it came from. And I didn't even yeah. know that people were being exploited. Or I kind of knew, oh, yeah, like maybe children have been making clothes. and But, oh, I think it's okay. I think like they're not doing that anymore. But I wasn't researching it, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I moved to Asia. And I think living in Asia and seeing the garbage that is like out there because there is not like a system, um, a waste management like we would have, yeah. you know, in Europe, Europe for example, uh, where I'm from. But so seeing the garbage and starting to dive and also living on boats or living in remote locations where it didn't matter if I had like, 10 dresses because I had nowhere to wear them to, right? You wear the same so, t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wear the same, like you have two t-shirts for like your whole dive trip and you wash them, you know? And uh, so living on the boat, you have to be really minimalistic as well because you don't have that much space. Yeah. So coming from that, it was really easier for me to actually make the switch to a um, more minimalistic and conscious lifestyle yeah. and plastic-free. Um, but yeah, of course, like I can't avoid all the plastic. Like I, I keep it, I make like an eco brick and I avoid most of them. Like I would say 90%. But for example, um, I've been wanting to talk to this restaurant owner and I will actually, um, because for I ordered a pizza, right? Last week. And uh, because I'm thinking, like it's one of the only things that you know is going to come in a cardboard box. And um, you can't recycle the part that is oily, but you can put it in your compost, for example. So I'm like, okay, I'm okay with this. Like a pizza once in a, in a while um, is fine. But it comes uh, with a, it's, it's tied shut with like a plastic rope. Oh, yeah. Right? So these plastic ropes I've been using to tie my plants together in the garden when they go a little bit wonky. Um, or I put in my eco brick. So it's also um, like trying to think of waste or like what we perceive as waste as a resource. Because yeah. like for this rope, I could be like, oh yeah, it's trash. Well, no, I can, I can use it in my, in my garden, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I've been kind of keeping it. Um, so I guess it's the, the most difficult is maybe this mind switch. Um, yeah. But it, it comes, like, again, it's something that's gradual. And once you start, you kind of can't get off the train. You can't unsee things and you can't go back because that's your right. mind is opened. Yeah. That, that's once you see the trash in the oceans and on the beaches and all of that, you, yeah. you start seeing, like, and thinking about, like, um, one of my other podcasts is, is with this um, – wonderful eco warrior as well alex mcgivern and she told me about her plastica moment or the moment she realized and she was just eating this yogurt cup and she just like had this panic like oh my god where did the yogurt cup that i ate like 15 years ago go and she just had this yeah. realization that every single cup of yogurt is still somewhere yeah. on this planet and yeah. that kind of blew my mind away because it's true like now you like i don't want the yogurt anymore you know, I don't want the, the, the packaging and even, even though I'm vegan, right? So I can't, you know, I don't eat a lot of different things that people consider normal. And now in Australia, there are so many vegan options. There's vegan sausages and vegan everything, yeah. but it's all packaged yeah. in plastic. So my friends are like, oh, do you like this fake meat thing? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't tried it because it's in plastic. Yeah. So I avoid it. 
Um, yeah. I went to buy spinach the other day and um, my boyfriend was like, oh, you wanted spinach because you wanted to make pesto. And I was like, yeah, but there's no spinach. And he's like, yeah, there is. And he literally picked up the plastic bag filled with spinach. And mm -hmm. I hadn't even seen it or realized it because I don't, I don't look at the plastic section, you know? Same. It's like, if I, want the, it, I, I want the free, like the open air yeah. spinach, which then I put into like at least a paper bag, um, you know, or then reusable one. Um, but it was so funny because he was just staring at me like, there's spinach right here. I'm like, oh, that doesn't count. You know, it's in plastic. That's, yeah. Do you, are there like bulk food stores and things where you live? Yeah, we're really lucky actually in, in Bali, um, but there is like, there's Zero Waste Bali, which they have, they have opened like four locations now, but there's also a few other stores that are a little bit less marketed and they also offer bulk. Um, and then there's lots of uh, markets, right? Because there's so many yeah. people that from farming here and it's volcanic soil. So there's so many beautiful vegetables and fruits that grow here. Um, so I just go to the market and I have my little lady that I like and I just bring my own like reusable cotton produce bags and a big basket and I just you know um, I mean potatoes for example I just put straight in the yeah. in the basket because they're strong and but yeah if you if you want to weigh things sometimes like a produce bag really helps yeah. because you don't want like your little I don't know limes running around everywhere <laughs> and picking <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, I just use that. I just, I just go to this lady at the market and, um, and I, I get from her, but I know that like going to the market can be time consuming maybe for some people. Mm -hmm. Um, but I find that, it, that every time I go visit family in Europe, I do see that, um, most of the supermarkets are kind of understanding this new demand, not all, and it's not perfect. Um, but I, I was really happy to find a lot of bulk vegetables and yeah. this particular vegetable is not in bulk. Like you said, like I can live without it. I can make something else. Like I have many options, of meals and recipes I can make, you know, yeah. I don't need this to survive right now. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah. that's a good point. Um, I'm actually going to come to Bali in the next couple of um, uh, months so that would cool. be fun we should we should say hi yes. and go for a dive yes i can take you to all the bulk stores and <laughs> all the yeah, dirty beaches <laughs> um fantastic well i think we're just getting to kind of the last question i have for you which was um if you have one piece of advice for people who want to help the ocean what would it be so for the people listening right now what can they do right now today to start really making a difference um on their journey uh, to conservation yeah we already touched on the subject of like not eating <laughs> um so i but i can think of lots of other little tips and um there are things that sometimes we we wouldn't think about so like we talked about plastic free as well that definitely helps like to use less plastic because at the end of the day it's going to end up mostly in the ocean mm -hmm. um but one thing that uh, people don't realize also is sunscreen like mm -hmm. sunscreen be very harmful um to us as well actually because all these chemical sunscreens they actually have like ingredients that are harmful for us too and they're absorbed by our skin yeah. um so i've moved now to like mineral sunscreens um mm -hmm. and um to some that are like 
packaged in better better options and they're they're also not harmful to the reef you have to be careful with like the reef safe lab labels because it's not regulated um mm -hmm. but there's lots of good options now like in every country uh, you can find like reef friendly sunscreen so that's one thing um another sorry which which sunscreen do you use um this one is like that I'm, I'm finishing one right now, which is like called Stream to Sea. Mm -hmm. And it's packaged in like biodegradable, they say, like plastic. I don't like these biodegradables and compostable things, yeah. but it's still better than the plastic options. Um, there's a Balinese made one that is called Sensatia, and that's plastic in like a little tin. Mm -hmm. uh, packed, packed, not plastic, <laughs> in a little tin. And uh, then you have like uh, in Australia, I've heard of Sun Butter Ocean, which is also packaged in a tin and they just released a vegan version. Um, yeah, Where? I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I can send you the information and maybe you can link it also for, for people. Um, um, I also made also another blog post about that. Um, I, and I keep updating it when I find new good sunscreens. And I choose ones um, that are like vegan, um, cruelty-free and package-free if I can. But uh, at the end of the day, I also include some that are packaged in biodegradable or plastic yeah. if it's fully recyclable because I just want to be inclusive because it's more important to have reef-friendly there than having like a non-packaged yeah. sunscreen if people don't have the other options. Um, so yeah, that's another tip is to um, to do that and then be careful at any other chemical things that you may be using because like all drains lead to the ocean. So what you use as shampoo yeah. um, or to clean your your bathroom, to clean your kitchen, anywhere, like anything mm -hmm. that you use at the end of the day, it runs off into the ocean. Yeah. And all these chemicals, um, if we can switch to organic, stuff or homemade even like to clean the homes like bicarbs vinegar like all these natural things they they do a great job as well yeah, vinegar is great yeah that for everything <laughs> yeah. yeah same like i i only use vinegar and you can make your own vinegar from like um you know citrus peels wow. and yeah and You're then you don't have the knowledge <laughs> Yeah, apple apple cider vinegar is so expensive. But if you eat apples, you keep all the cores. You put them into a bottle, and you you can make, again you can make your own apple cider vinegar. Um, so I'm gonna yeah, this lifestyle, this like organic like waste free lifestyle is actually like cheap because everything that is considered waste becomes something. Like you yeah. know, I, I I even say like old undies you know, what, what are you going to do with that? It's not something you're going to donate or there's no. even some clothes that we donate and you know, it's not going to be used because it's got a big hole or it's just like stretched out. Yeah. Well, you just it and, and then you can make, um, if when you have enough, it can be like a pillowcase stuffing. Or if you have a dog, like the dog I used to have, like they always break their dog beds. And then like the, the stuff that was inside <coughs> is all gone and you can never make it fluffy again. Well, put some more clothing in there and then stitch it back up, you know, like, that's a good yeah, it's, waste is not waste until we've wasted it. Yeah. Wow. What a fantastic kind of sentence to finish it on. Um, Thank you so much for, for coming to joining the, the Ocean Pancake podcast. I'm sure everyone has learned a lot from you. I know I certainly have. I'm very excited about my soap nuts. I'm excited to check out some more of the sunscreen. 
And um, yeah, to start using, well, I'm going to make my own vinegar. I didn't know I could do that. So thank you for teaching us. <laughs> yeah, no worries. You're welcome. That's, that's what I'm all about. Information and like sharing this, then people know that they can, yeah, they can do these tips and it's easy. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. And um, yeah, I'm excited for everyone to check out your Instagram, Laura in Waterland, as well as your website. Is that also laurainwaterland.com? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. And um, yeah, on my website, Ocean Pancake Podcast, you'll find all the links to all these things. So yeah, thank you so much for being here with me again. And yeah, I'll, we'll chat soon. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me. Goodbye. Bye. So once again, that was Laura in Waterland. Thank you so much, Laura, for being on the podcast with me today. It means the world to me. You are an inspiration, and I am so excited to see the work you are continuing to do. Hopefully, we get to hang out soon and learn more from each other and continue this fight for our oceans. I would like to thank all of you guys who are listening so much for staying with me up until this point. And of course, if you want to hear more from me or get some free resources, check out oceanpancake.com or myveganexperiment.com. If you want to get in touch with me, that is vegandivercat on YouTube and Instagram, or just shoot me an email. You'll find all my contact details on my websites and all that jazz. And of course, a massive thank you to Graham Mose, who is the genius behind the funky beats in this podcast. He's a good friend and he creates some really sick looping tunes that you should check out. If you live in Brisbane, you can actually see him live. He also does tours of Australia, so check him out. And again, thank you guys so much for being here and I'll see you next week. If there's anyone you'd like me to interview, make sure to send me a message. And yeah, happy bubbling, happy living a turquoise life.